Yeah, that is what we're doing. This is a podcast. You call this a podcast? Bitch, you cast like this? Damn, bitch, you cast like this? That's great, because that can be for podcasting and spellcasting. The only thing I do is cast my net as a fisherman of men. Oh. No, it's you have to cast down your you have to cast down your nets so you you be made fishers of men. (laughs) No, he's the Lord said, cast down your nets and I will make you crazy fish men. (laughs) (laughs) That was that's the gospel according to Dagon. (laughs) Exactly. Thou art Peter, and upon this devil's rock I found my church, the esoteric order of Dagon. Jesus. This is going to be the longest opening ever. Can we start? Yes. The first aeon I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not, for I am the hidden one. In the fifth aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new aeon, I appear to you as... C. M. N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above. Is commentary on the magic art. In the year of the primal form, the dawn of terrestrial birth. Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. Welcome everyone, I am Strawman Kennedy, and this is Chaos Magic News, a subsidiary of Mind Parasites Incorporated. As always, I'm joined by my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, Jack Marowak. How you doing, Jack? Hallelujah, I'm a Dharma bum. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm exactly the same as I was last episode. There's not reasons for that. Exactly Definitely the same? Not. Well, well, one as if no time at all has passed. <laughs> uh, man cannot step into the same podcast twice. <laughs> uh, well, this is going to be a more chill episode compared to the last one. We got some uh, some heated opinions that I'm sure the internet is a buzz about. I mean, they're already a buzz about because we didn't record this episode right after the last one. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, this will be a, a much nicer episode where we're, we don't look down our nose at people and say judgy, very opinionated things. About other magicians that have more successful projects than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't do that. We definitely also don't talk about magicians that maybe don't do better than us. <laughs> You can't do worse than CMN, folks. This is the bottom of the barrel magically. This is a we're the result of an ancient curse upon our bloodlines. It's interesting that you would say that we're not going to be looking down <laughs> our noses at people. 
it's interesting that you'd say we're not going to be looking down our noses at other people because um the topic we decided to open with uh i don't i don't necessarily think that that's going to be um something that doesn't turn into us just looking down at people i think that if we handle it with genuine thought and poise and a compassion for all sentient beings we just might be able to talk the minimal amount of shit (laughs) well that's the difference the minimal amount of shit versus not talking shit and being love and light um but our our topic today folks is um larping and we don't just mean larping like going to your um local community center and hitting your friends with a foam sword we're talking about larping as a concept within magic i'm sure that the vast majority of people that are in online occult circles have at least heard the term LARPing in regards to other practitioners. I think one of the hard parts is that it's a term that can mean a couple different things depending on the context it's used and the person that's saying it. So maybe we should go right off the bat and define what do we mean by a LARPer? Okay, well, what do we mean by a LARPer then? We might even have conflicting definitions. So how about you start with yours, and then I'll give you my definition for what I think a LARPer is. As far as I've been able to tell, I mean, aside from the fact that LARPing just gets used as a a pejorative, you know, anything, anyone doing magic you don't like is a LARPer. But if we're going to try Exactly, and that's why I'm saying get a that's why i'm saying let's get definitions out here because it's a term that can be used to mean just anybody you don't like or you don't think is real it's the it's the magic equivalent of poser yeah it is um but you know in a way you're not a cult and i'm telling everyone (laughs) save your breath man i never was one oh um but yeah for the sake of making a productive conversation, I think I want to define LARPing as not believing what you're actually doing. Having very, you know, grandiose kind of ideas about your own magic and about what you're doing that based on your actions or inconsistency in thought, you clearly don't actually believe in an active way. Okay, that's a that's a pretty good one. Now, get a little more in-depth with that before we go further. What would be a good example of somebody not practicing what they preach, as it were? Oh, I'm not going to name any specific examples, but, you know, I, I, we did enough shit talking of people, but they tend more often or not for me to be people that are really professed like Kabbalists or Goetia people more than any other branch of like practice. The people that I see doing it more often than not are those kinds of people. And it, it really just breaks down to a complete inconsistency in what they talk about and how they talk about it. They're the kind of people that end up telling you stuff like, oh, yeah, I've I've had a pact with this demon for years and 
I've done all these things and I'm doing all these things with them. And they're very quick to correct you on like things that you found from traditional sources on various topics of magic. And they'll just be like, well, no, because I, I deal with this person all the time. Oh, so, so someone that will use their unverified personal gnosis as the guidebook for the rest of the world. To a point, but the the point I'm really getting at is just the fact that I don't think these people do any real magic at all. I think they have very powerful fantasies of doing magic type things. But as far as getting results from it or having anything of what we could call like a legitimate experience, I think they're just people that are having power fantasies with magic and don't actually do any real magic. Hence why they're they're the kinds of people that are incredibly successful, quote unquote, magicians. And you either just see that all they do is just babble online about their issues with other people talking about whatever their specific practice is or just spelling out the wonderful experiences they've had. Mm. And that's pretty much all they do. It's more of it, it goes back to the sort of thing I talked about before about the magical identity as it were it's it's almost like magic is far more of a interesting thing for them to latch on to as a crutch for their lack of overall personality oh that's that's what i think larping comes down to larping is when you have a magical identity that isn't accurate to your actual existence Okay, okay. If I just walked in next episode and said, "Hey, man, I just want to let you know, I um, I I I went I went to um the local Target, and I found a secret door into the back, and I met um Krishna and Baphomet and Elron Hubbard, and th- they revealed the secrets of the universe to me, so I can I finally perfected all of my magic." and I'm going to work towards the betterment of all mankind as its new prophet. And then you ask me like, well, how's it going? I'm like, well, I, I just got divorced and my rent is due and I have somehow cut off my own foot. Uh, okay. Please take all my money. Can I join your cult? Exactly. But that, and that's sort of the thing. Like there's, there's a difference between being a LARPer and being like a terrible person as a magician, I suppose, because there's plenty of people that are, <laughs> I will argue, very good magicians that I think are off the rails, just, you know, cuckoo in the coconut. They've been doing this stuff for so long that they don't understand. They don't have the ability to get out of a world that is entirely enchanted and magical at every freaking second. And that's different than LARPing, because I think those people genuinely do believe what they do. and they. There are they are about what they do, whereas LARPing, I think, falls more into just having ridiculous fantasies and a, and uh, attachment to what you're doing when you're not actually doing anything. All right. That's a that is a very. I won't say succinct, but it's a very it definitely put together succinct. definition. <laughs> that was a ramble, probably but, because it's such a, an amorphous well, I, kind of term anyway. But go ahead. What what were Bitch, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
I don't want to hear your ideas. I was asking them as a formality so I could talk about my correct ideas. <laughs> okay, okay. What do you we're gonna think? Be, we're going to be nice this episode. <laughs> we're going to be nice this episode. We're going to be nice this episode. You fucking asshole. Shut up. We said we weren't going to talk shit. We never said we're always talking shit to each other. Oh, uh, that's that's very true. We're I feel like we're nicer to each other on the podcast than we are as like day-to-day people. Right, because we direct <laughs> our bile towards other people. Oh yeah, yeah. We turn into the we turn into mean girls. <laughs> you can't sit with us. Um, you can't sit with us, Crowley. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the tangerine head <laughs> like I gave Mathers. Uh anyway, what what okay. would you define LARPing as? I think you're very close, or at least our definitions are very close. To me, a LARPer is someone who, besides any legitimate practice they have, like they might have some actual stuff that they do, but it is all tempered with a need and a desire to make a grand narrative of what they're doing. It's not enough that they do spooky woo-woo nonsense and get results instead they have to create a they have to turn their life into like a young adult novel that's my metric if it doesn't sound like something from a young adult novel it's not LARPing and we really need to differentiate because you already started but differentiate it between someone who is absolutely crazy where they believe all of the stuff that they say versus someone who who feels the need to embellish and mythologize their experience to the point that it represents a break from reality. And I, I, you know, reality is a dodgy definition. Everybody has their own world. Generally, if somebody is painting themselves as either the, the grand hero or the mysterious brooding villain or this, that, and the other, when it sounds more fictitious than strange, I guess would be a great way of saying it, that's when you've got somebody that's LARPing. Generally, they will claim that they are the chosen of some particular deity. They will have a super convincing story of their magical pedigree they will claim to be the reincarnation of someone prominent and important. And I think in their heart of hearts, these are people that know that what they're saying isn't true, but they really need it to be true, as opposed to someone who is gone bonkers where they believe that nonsense. And you can generally talk to these people and tell the difference. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what actually what I was going to get at, like as far as how it's relevant to any how anyone's dealing with anyone else in the occult community, like what? Well, in, in fact, why should you even care if other people are LARPing? Oh, um. <sighs> uh, yeah, see, I got gotcha. I would think maybe it's maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, well that, that is the short answer is like, who the fuck cares? Everybody's practice is different. We're all living in our own bizarre little reality tunnels. So who cares if somebody's having a good time and they're not actively hurting anybody? You know, sure. Why not? 
Uh, maybe it's good to know for people who are newer that like these, there are people that exist like this and they will fill your head up with their nonsense and get you thinking some really screwy stuff. So think for yourself, schmuck. But beyond that, it's, it's very much like who cares. I don't really feel the need to call out people's nonsense until every once in a while I get a, a wild hair across my ass and I got to talk to them and I got to tell them that this isn't true and you're stupid. This, and I normally feel like an asshole afterwards where it's like, why, why'd I do that? I think maybe on the other hand, there is probably a one personal tangible benefit that you can get out of looking and acknowledging and understanding these people. And that's to keep yourself from doing it. Right. That's you already knew where I was going with this. We we can. Yeah, we can all totally go down that line if we're not careful. And it's you can for a certain amount of time. It has some benefit. One of the things that we talk about in chaos magic when you're starting out is building confidence in your own ability and such. And I think that's where a lot of it fake it till you make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot to be gained from a sort of overblown sense of self and purpose and ability, but it should just be a learning kind of tool. You shouldn't turn that into your whole personality because you actually won't go anywhere magically. If you just think you're the fucking shit at all goddamn times, unless, you know, just it just so happens that you are the shit and your magic has worked every single time and you are the special chosen one of um, Barth is all. You know, if why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely I, I suppose that's always a possibility, but for most of us, it's the same thing we talked about um, last time. It's the. Uh, you got to figure out how to fail and where to fix things when you do fail. Because if you just walk around thinking you're the super special chosen kid, the kid is the chosen kid and everyone is waiting for him to fight and to win and to accept treasure and to accept love and to rule the hidden world of awesomeness like the handsome little asshole that he is <laughs> happens all the time, right? Bye. I'm going to drop in that baby clip cakes clip right there. Uh, but if you think <laughs> if you do think you're this, do you know about spells? <laughs> There's so many. But yeah, you know, if if you think that. You're this amazing fucking God amongst men at all times. And you're not actually doing anything, then who then it's not doing you any good. That's almost the difference between what I meant by like, I know some arguably really good magicians that are. You know, I, you can't have real conversations with them about magic because they just believe their own shit, even if they are, you know, they might be good, but so lost in their own belief system that it's hard to tell when they're actually doing good stuff and when it's just them having a great, an overblown sense of purpose and ability and such, as opposed to, well, you know, the sort of mythologizing of yourself. These are all things that can be used in a positive way magically. You know, deluding yourself is a cornerstone of getting magic to work. There has to be a, an ability to step away from that. If not, you end up writing a Twilight fanfic that is ostensibly your life. Well, and I think for me, that is really the big thing is that I think ultimately 
painting your life in these sort of personal mythologizing narratives can be interesting and useful if you know, <laughs> if you're a good writer, maybe. <laughs> but it, when when you get people that decide that like they're a chosen of Hecate and they're supposed to assemble a great coven that is going to raise the vibrations of the cosmic tuning fork to do this, that, and the other and save the day and everything's going to be great. It's like, that's not a useful worldview to have. It's really like, and, and that's the problem is I don't want to talk absolutes because maybe it is for somebody, but for the most part, when you convince yourself of these sort of things, you're getting so far into your own way that it's hard to, unfuck yourself if you I guess if you're not careful you can end up as that person forever and you really don't want to you don't want to be the same person forever you especially don't want to be a person who is convinced that they are some sort of messianic figure I mean sounds pretty good to me you know cause well and I guess on another level like you know don't you doesn't that seem like a hell of a burden for one person? Don't you want to be able to do magic to like get a Bugatti or something? <laughs> <laughs> if you you decide you're the Messiah, you got to start doing nice shit for everybody. <laughs> no, it's for the good of the world that you guys give me your Bugattis. <laughs> Trust me, I spoke yeah. to Barzazal. He said I, I was bringing the force of Mars onto Earth. Just so give me your shit. It's an offering. We're good. <laughs> Oh, that's another dangerous territory. You might end you might end up a cult leader. You personalizing your mythology isn't enough. You have to get validation. Oh well maybe that's the problem with LARPers. What? That they can't get validation? It's not it's not that they're doing it. It's that they tend to get in front of other people and try to get validated. They want you to believe them when they say these things. Right. Yeah. Please just tell, tell me, Maybe tell me I it. really am special. Please. Mm. Mm. There's a thought that just came to me. Um, so in the interest of sort of extrapolating on this, do you want to share any funny LARPer stories? Like anything that, really sticks out to you like preferably not naming names and not being too obvious so that you know no one gets their feelings hurt <laughs> i know somebody that when i met them was telling everyone what their previous reincarnation was and i remember this because they said oh you're a very new soul you don't have any previous reincarnations you you, you may only have one or two and they were very simple things and about a week later they were posting in a group that like, why don't, why don't, why don't women like me? I'm smart and I'm charming and I'm super <laughs> interested. And then after that, they've become some sort of Orthodox Christian. I think now that's the other side of being a LARPer is that these people that they're not just shifting paradigms constantly. They're shifting paradigms into the most extreme possible things of being like, I am the ultimate space wizard. Uh, but hey, now I'm an I'm the I'm God's strongest warrior. And they're right every time. Yeah, they're right every time. Okay. 
Okay, that's a that's a pretty good one. Um, I don't remember all the details of this one because it was a very brief interaction. But someone essentially claimed when I was asking about a particular instance of a mythological character, they extrapolated that the whole myth was really about the secret barrier between the worlds, between like the 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 physical world and the spirit world, and then insinuated that they were the guardian of the pathway and that it had been in their bloodline for generations. Now that's this is exactly what I'm talking about of like a young adult fiction novel. It's like that would probably be an interesting story. It's right up there with Percy Jackson. But when someone's claiming that that's what their life is, I I hesitate to I I hope for their sake they didn't really believe that. I hope I hope they just wanted to feel important or special. Oh, <laughs> because when I basically told them that I wasn't interested in what they were talking about. They got very offended and I, it just, you know, it's one of those, like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. I don't believe your story or I don't want to go along with your story, but they didn't get, they didn't get the, the, the particular type of outrageous offense that a crazy person tends to get where they they when you tell someone who is and I don't want to make generalizations about mental illness I'm sorry maybe I won't I won't go Well there, I see I'm 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 general, arguing I don't when I'm saying people are crazy I don't necessarily mean they have some sort of mental illness I think that they're just incredibly deluded Okay yeah that's fair that's fair yeah that's But anyway that's that's the one that sticks out of my head was somebody claiming that they were part of a bloodline that was the guardian between worlds. And it's just like, no one, why are you, why are you on a, uh, why are you on a social media group telling this story? They think they're role playing that everyone's just a character. Well, why, if that's the case, read the room. Not everybody else has the crazy dramatic backstory. (laughs) You think I chose to be a magic NPC? You dick. (laughs) Um, now make a savings throw for this conversation. Oh, <laughs> uh, you spa- passed your speech check. I guess you have a a, a new cult member. <laughs> um, take all my money. Where's the robe? <laughs> there's um, there's one story I have that I I remember after having heard yours. I was discussing philosophy in relation to magic on a Reddit forum somewhere. And I discussed about my um, particular views of science in relation to magic and philosophy. Mostly about, you know, the Heideggerian um, backgrounds and stuff like that. You know, a whole lot of, you know, play the circus music here. But the, the thing that got them was my opinions on science. They went very heavily into a lot a lot a lot of bad quantum physics to explain how magic works they also explained that only certain people can wait, do wait, magic wait 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 you talked to wait you talked to peter we're not supposed to talk about that i know i'm sorry anyway 
Yeah, they they went through the, a lot of bad quantum physics to explain magic. They explained that only certain people could do magic, that they had been able to do magic because they had a father who was in the military that, as part of an experiment to weaponize magic, had been possessed by a demon and then had sex with his mother, who was the long line of a witch group of some kind. And Aquinas. Yeah, right. And so, yeah. And then they just went off about it and they essentially told me that I was anti science and I was responsible for all the COVID outbreaks, which didn't make any sense, but that was where they went with that. Well, the minute you say, the minute you challenge anything about science's validity, to describe the world exactly as it is, they will take that stance. Because before COVID, it was, you're the reason why people think the Earth's flat. You're the reason why there's, you know, I don't know, you're, you're the reason why there's plastic in the ocean and, you know, all of this nonsense. It's just, you know, you, they'll, they'll go like, oh, you belong, you should go to the Creationist Museum, like that, you know, this kind of crap. They'll just find the they'll any sort of questioning of well perhaps our current understanding of science or even the bedrock of how we use the scientific method to describe reality the minute you say that that is incomplete or that you might even disagree with something in it now you're just like an insane fundamental extremist monster and you are cursed with the most deadly and demonic of unreason and well that's sort of Carl the thing sagan's though. gonna come and punch in that's the head. that's from people that you know are not occulty per se though like that's a definitely a response we get from a lot of people but most occultist people won't find that very um that they won't think that that's such a ridiculous statement you know they they won't follow the whole path of being like oh yeah science is science is fake it's all there's only four elements it's fire water air and earth screw the periodic table you don't find much of that sort of thing i was just flabbergasted that the same person that was telling me that i was a science denier and i was responsible for covid was also telling me that their birth father had been possessed by a demon as part of a government experiment. And that's why they could do magic. It's like science is. So what's your verdict? That's a, that's a LARPer. Oh yeah. There's no way they really believed all this. I I cannot, I cannot fathom that someone actually thought all of this, especially considering the other hot take, because once you interact with somebody like that, they 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 follow you. Oh, they have to. They can't leave the con. That means you probably won whatever argument you were having because they got to follow you around and fight you. I mean, possibly. I say you won. Took the take the damn compliment. <laughs> At any rate, someone had asked about if someone could be like violating their person with a photo of them, like sexually, in a magical kind of way. And uh, their hot take was that you shouldn't care if someone else jerks off to your photo or something like that. And it doesn't matter. It's it's not magical at all, but it doesn't matter. You should just let people do that sort of thing. Well, I could make the argument that you're going to have a really hard time stopping it. 
but like if somebody told me hey i'm jacking off to your photo like that's fucking weird and creepy and you shouldn't tell people that well yeah exactly and their argument to that was well the block button exists you're well don't be a fucking creep how about that yeah exactly like don't maybe don't be a fucking weirdo don't just like tell people that you're jerking off to them and then talk about doing magic to it (sighs) Ugh, sounds like a real piece of work man sounds like a real piece of work yeah but the 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 exciting the exciting backstory that he has is it's a bit more cyberpunk but i think that we might have a really great crossover going on. I wish we had like a, uh, some kind of third or I guess that'd be fourth that we could pull these all together with. Um, I don't know. How about we talk about Grant and we're going to bleep that one out too. We're supposed to be nice this episode. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's so hard. You don't know. Well, we managed to cut a pretty large chunk into the episode with that, so I guess we should get to the headline, shouldn't we? We certainly should. Okay. Let us invoke what's in the news. All right. Days before midterms, Twitter lays off employees who fight misinformation. The uh, funny thing about this is uh, Jack Dorsey actually claimed responsibility for all the um, Twitter layoffs. But, of course, Elon Musk's face is Wait, 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 wait. Did he do magic for it? (laughs) No, I don't think he... Well, he probably did. He he brought some change and conformity with his will. The real magic was selling it off to Elon and then doing it. So everyone would blame Elon. And then he just gets to get like a, a quick little apology headline to just say like, Oh, I'm sorry. It was my fault. Don't blame Elon. And then just go about his business. Cause no one's going to fucking read it or care. <laughs> um, I think the whole Twitter thing is probably another interesting because it's on that line of like large corporate entity combined with, this weird sort of shared psychic space that is social media, you know? So there's so much going on where it's, it's almost at war with itself. I feel like any, I feel like almost every social media site is literally at war with itself as the people who own it versus the people who operate it, where the people who op the people who own it have really bad ideas and all that ever happens is they do the bad thing and then the people that are running around on it tell them how awful it is. Like, ask anybody who's on any social media site, do you like this site? They're like, no, I fucking hate it. It sucks. Why do you keep using it? Shit, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Except for Tumblr. Tumblr, Tumblr <laughs> will own that shit where that's like, this is, this is the worst site in the world and I'm never leaving. <laughs> Get them on social but, media. Oh, oh, oh I, I forgot I was. Go ahead. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I guess I should make a, a point about magic. But like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Forget it. Yep. <laughs> Go on. Archaeologists discover a trove of ancient coffins and mummies in Cairo 100 years after Tutankhamun discovery. So. 
even to this day, we're still finding stuff in Egypt. Um, well, all I'll say is that if we keep digging, we're going to unearth something that should stay buried. <laughs> I'm personally at this point, I don't think that ancient Egypt even existed. I think this has all been a huge scam to get museum tickets <laughs> to get the British government <laughs> to dig up land in Egypt so they can make more swimming pools. <laughs> That's my hot take. Uh, like, damn, you really are anti-science, aren't you? <laughs> I'm really interested because, you know, eventually the, the more you find the greater your chance of finding some earth shattering discovery that completely just flips our understanding of how things were back then. And I don't think we're going to find like, you know, the, the ancient Egypt rocket chariot of the gods stuff. But like, what if we just found out that everybody in ancient Egypt had a lisp? <laughs> I can beat that. What if, what if we just discover some guy with a hawk head and they're like, Oh no, they weren't gods after all. They were just bird heads. Uh, Crowley was right. Then Twitter confirms users fee to buy verification. Fuck that. No, don't worry about it. I'm sorry. Say that again. It was a Twitter thing. And I was like, Nope, not going to read that one. Parrot steals reporters earphone live on the air. That's this is up there with like the getting stabbed in the diner thing again, <laughs> where it's like, it's just kind of a goofy headline that doesn't really, it's not news so much. It's just like, here's something neat that happened. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, like I just, maybe we need to get a little more niche with like actual news things. Yeah, definitely. Or, um, or I don't know, maybe, maybe like, cause <laughs> I, I just, I feel like the problem is I don't have very good jokes to follow up like a parrot stealing an earpiece. Yeah, no, we will cut this one entirely. They did not. Nuclear arms rain down from the sky. Oh, God. The horn of Gabriel. <laughs> oh, no, dear listener. <laughs> They've done it. They've amenitized the Eschaton. <laughs> How's that for a headline? Climate protesters blamed for patients' death. A German minister has called for a crackdown on activists for disrupting the work of rescue services. Anytime you see a headline oh. like that, the question becomes, oh. was this actually the act of people going too far, too absorbed in their own personal project that they let someone die? Or is this an op to discredit any sort of outstanding major issue like climate change? Man, that is a very good question. You like, you really amped it up, right? Oh, damn. I mean, that's, I mean, but that's a, that's a reality, man, that there will, there will be, there are people who have a vested interest in basically anytime anyone protests anything about the status quo, they will some, they will usually use tactics like this where it's like, somebody died because of the negligence of these of these people or the they were so absorbed in their own thing or you know somebody left a stack of bricks laying around in a city that they were expecting a riot to start it you know crap like that you know it's it's a weird reality of 
propaganda, disinformation, misinformation. It's like, because I think if you take most people, they're like, hey, climate protesters were doing this. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we've we've destroyed our planet's ecology and we've really got to get our shit together if we hope to survive. But then it's like, oh, somebody died. And it's like, well, that's awful. That's horrible. Oh, I can't believe that. But where's the where's the balance? You know, where's the line? Right. And just because something could possibly be an op. Definitely doesn't mean it or is. Or at the very least, a, a, yeah, it, it doesn't mean that it is. Yeah, yeah, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, that's always, but it's it's always an interesting thing because the, the labor movement has a history of that sort of thing too, obviously. It's, oh yeah. And even the, um you know, the 60s um flower power movement had a lot of that kind of, you know, internal sabotage from people infiltrating and uh doing things to discredit movements remember you cannot challenge the status quo and expect to be viewed as the good guys it's just not how it works history will usually vindicate you but it's a very long road right Ooh, the internet is full of predators omegle lets you meet them this is an entire article just about how we need to be able to hold um, websites and social media outlets that allow for things like that to happen with anonymity. Because you guys don't know what Omegle is. It's kind of like chat roulette. It's just you get on, you either talk to somebody or get on camera with somebody randomly. And what do people do with that? Start jerking off on camera, obviously. They just want an internet where everyone's face is attached to everything so that they can monitor you better. It's all about inspiring more control and more regulation. And that's, they'll use whatever means they can to the point of, uh, you know, screaming about the children and using this as an example, all of those things. It's just, the fact is, is that there's a, again, I'll put my conspiracy hat on real quick. Large corporate interests have already carved up the internet for their particular money-making squandering, where we used to have billions of websites, now we've got about six that you go to for everything. Yep. And uh, now they just want to make sure that everything you do on there can be attached to your face and your bank account and your address and this, that, and the other. That way that the government can come and start kicking your teeth in when you start getting out of line. Or the corporate goons. How long till it's not that you're getting banned off of Facebook and it's the Facebook private police come to your house and put you in handcuffs? Oh, you said too many bad things. Now Amazon won't sell anything to you. Yep. Yep. Well, I'll just go to the, I'll just go to the store. Amazon owns the store. Serious shit. I'm I'm only half. It could happen. Only half joking. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot closer than you think. All right. What else do we have? One more good one before we move on to the main course of the episode. Oh, do we want to talk about the Kanye? Oh, at this point, I I don't other than, well, oh, Kanye is, yay is a test study in the power of words as magic. If you want to affect real material changes in your life, just start saying the wrong things. And in this instance, we don't mean the the challenging the status quo because that Kanye is a great 
exception that proves the rule there. He's definitely challenging the status quo, but only in that he's being incredibly bigoted and slightly, if not overly unhinged. I do think that there is something to be said, and we we talked a little bit about this. There's that notion of unconscious desires getting made manifest throughout your life. Right. And now I, I can't specifically say this is an instance of magic as far as Kanye, but there is the idea of certain unconscious desires or drives coming up in your work, whether you're aware of them or not. Oh, right. Maybe that's dangerous territory because it can be like, well, when something bad happens to you, it's because you wanted it. But Kanye, for example, it's this is very clearly a self-destructive impulse because there's no way that he thought that this was going to go well. He simply looked at it, said, I'm going to say what I'm thinking and fuck it if it ruins me. Who cares? Which is that self-destruction. Uh, it's, it wasn't uh, may, I guess maybe you could make the argument that he thinks like I'm standing for what I believe and it's all that stuff but no 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 he he knew that if he kept shooting his mouth off and saying something if he said something that fucking inflammatory he knew it was going to wreck him but look at and look at everything else he's done in the past what two three years this is clearly this this is this is some real this is some real unconscious saboteur via Hagbar Chalene, you know? Right. I, I completely I misused I misused via there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I gotcha. So I, I guess on one end we could talk about that unconscious manifestation in magic. I think most people have a sort of direction that they're going towards with their magic that is almost entirely unconscious. And maybe it's as simple as going back to this is why you fuckers need to do the basic practices. But part of things like, you know, the magical record and having very basic grounding practices like banishing and meditation are what allow us to get into an analysis of what we're actually doing. That way, hopefully we're not just blindly unconsciously being driven by something. And without getting too heavily into my own opinions on the unconscious and its workings. You don't believe it. I don't, I don't think that there is an unconscious mind in the, in the slightest and you know, don't at me. Or at me, please. In fact, at us at Chaos Magic News. I think more than anything, what we have is a style or a way that we do things. We have what we would call a stand on our own being in the Heidegger jargon. It is unconscious. It's not in the unconscious mind. It's not, you don't, it's you don't have the second bigger brain directing you, but you have a way that you understand who you are and what you do that directs you because it makes things intelligible to you in those kind of terms. And part of doing magic or specifically part of doing chaos magic should be being able to direct those and understand what they are and change them because the way you, the world is rendered intelligible to you will direct what you do. So 
if your goal is to get results, you're probably going to have to change how you view the world and how it's made to have any sort of meaning to you. If you want to actually do everything you want to do, I'm sure of course you could just not and, you know, be a slave to whatever secret, uh, reality tunnel you've managed to squirrel yourself away in even while you're doing chaos magic but you get what i mean so bringing that back to the idea of unconscious drives made manifest do you think it is a bit like carl jung's until you make the conch the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you'll call it fate that idea that you're right it's the things that you're not aware those things that you aren't aware of are going to become the things that happen oh yeah, right yeah exactly because well like and like i said it's if, if it's it's how the world makes sense to you it's like the very it's so fundamental and basic to how you exist that all of your actions are directed by it because it's like the frame problem in ai when you can program the the parameters that need to be um, set and taken into account with performing an action for AI or how it's going to operate. It's fine. As long as you don't get to the point where you step into the real world as it were, and just give an AI full reign to try and be a person in the world because you can't program all of the possible frames that we take into right, account. Right. Back relating it to what we were talking about, it's the same thing. If you have a, as far as magical phenomena, it's such a wide breadth of things. And as a chaos magician, your prerogative is to not limit yourself in any kind of way to any particular belief system that would inform your actions and how to go about them and how to get results. You're supposed to only be guided by getting the results. So if you have a sort of background that is unconsciously keeping you from being able to even access and understand any of these sorts of other possibilities, then you're going to be screwed. Okay. Okay. So maybe this will sound off. Maybe it won't, but. It's the weird thing that even when people do things that they know don't make sense, they're doing it because somewhere it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Entirely. Literally, you every action you do is dictated by something in that in-framing of your worldview. So somewhere there is a logic and a reason. So otherwise, you just wouldn't do it. Right. And it's it's actually even more basic than that because it's not like you have a conceptual rationale for a lot of the things you do. Like, for instance, when, you, when you're when you in a room that has a bunch of chairs all facing one direction and there's like a podium up front, you naturally set yourself up in that room in relation to where the big podium is. Do it. Next time you end up in like a conference room or something like that, look at everybody that's in there and notice how they're all ready and always turned toward these things. I might cut that entirely. I, I rambled way too much there. That that got a little dry.
I feel like that whole Kanye bit was just a ramble, honestly. Because you could always add the other bit of like, do we want to talk about Kant and then blank? Oh, no, that's <laughs> never know, mind. That's, out that's again. what we'll do. Oh, do we want to talk about the So, okay. We're really, we're really bad at this. We are. If bumblebees can play, does it mean they have feelings? This study suggests yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Actually, there is an interesting thought there because there's that notion of extending personhood to things that are not personhoods. Right. <laughs> and I, I guess there's almost this idea of like, if, if, uh, if a bumblebee can play or if, uh, if an elephant can draw a painting or paint a painting or if a robot can understand love you know what what does that say and maybe there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the type of consciousness that certain things have well that's sort of the thing right you know as far most older religions if they say anything about animal um existence at all it's usually very negative buddhism essentially has animal birth as a repercussion and it's bad because you're just completely controlled by your desires and no ability to um you know seek enlightenment so it's really just a place for karmic balancing essentially and um you know it's it's just paying your it's just paying your dues till you get to be a dharma bum yep and abrahamic religions essentially just you know regulate them immediately Oh yeah, they're they're under your dominion. You can do you could theoretically do whatever you want to. Mm -hmm. Just don't covet it if it's your neighbors. Yep. Um, don't eat it if it's shellfish. Yeah. I I suppose that with certain particular persuasions there's uh, a much more animistic quality where it's you know, they've got a spirit just like you and me. They've got their own kind of little, you know, a bee's got a little bee spirit. Uh, a deer's got some deer spirits. The, you know, that sort of me, thing. Me, I got American spirits. <laughs> oh, and they cost me like $9 a pack. Golly. <laughs> but either way, I think maybe that's a little bit, maybe that's honestly a little closer to what they're, what I was talking about in reference to this article where it's acknowledging that, well, it's not like the same but maybe there's there's something worth respecting and honoring out of it because mm -hmm. i i have a i'm just a big i have a fondness for critters of all shapes and sizes the little critters of nature bugs snakes spiders creepy crawlies possums love me some possums they're those are cute little yeah they're critters. tasty uh, but you know like I, <laughs> no don't you're gonna break my heart i'm sorry no, i'm no, sorry it's terrible. i'm sorry no, but like I, I, I have a, <laughs> I have a real love of animals in general. So it's very easy for me to be like, we should just be cool with them and you know treat them with respect and love. <laughs> but you know, even uh, you know, hearing hey, if a if a bee can play, what does that say about a bee? It's a good question. It, it says um, it should get back to work, and then it's got to work for the hive. <laughs> it's got feelings. I got feelings. Got I still got a slave for the empire. Uh. You know that a bee, for a bee, their work is probably more enjoyable than your work ever will be. Oh, I've no question. I wish I was a bee. <laughs> I'm literally just going to put in the, you like jazz right there, and then we'll go on to the next segment. They did not. You like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
So, on to the meat and potatoes of the episode. Well, here, you want to introduce it? Okay, well, because we talked a little bit about LARPing and sort of the idea of fictitious implementations into your magic, or perhaps fictionalizing your experience, we're going to go from the other direction and talk about how does magic get depicted when it's in fiction, and how does that stack up to the admittedly more dull, quote-unquote, real magic experience. And I got to say, one of the weird things that we noticed was that in in a great deal, like 90-something Possibly percent. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that many. So often there is just this idea that you have to be born with magic powers and that's the only way it works. Mm-hmm. And, and you made a good point about why you thought that was. Oh, right. Especially in, um, what's the term? It's not magic realism, because that's something else, but... It was, in fact, magic realism. Magic that exists in a semi-realistic perspective, or a semi-realistic setting. Think, like, Harry Potter and Charmed and stuff like that. They they exist in, a you know, what is the real world but magic is a part of that world. And the reason for that is pretty obvious because like, oh, if magic's real, how come not everyone's just doing it? And on the one hand, you could make the argument, well, the same reason that we don't do it in real life because magic's real. It's like, no, but like these are people that can throw fireballs and shit. Yeah, like the the cool stuff that you wanted to do that made you start trying this. <laughs> Everybody, everybody lying to themselves when they hear that comment. It's like, no, I wanted spiritual truth and meaning. You wanted to throw a fire. You wanted to shoot a Kamehameha <laughs> wave. You wanted to shoot lightning from your fingertips. You wanted the Winx Club powers. You wanted something, and it's not what you got. What you got was yeah. uh, the great work, and boy, is it work. It's, it's, it's less enjoyable than what a bee does. <laughs> so, but, but for example, like Harry, Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, that's what it is. It's like you have to be born with it. Otherwise, you're screwed. And you can even have, like, you can have, like, two wizard parents and have a non-wizard baby. And then you're, like, an abomination and and a family shame. And they got to, like, hide you like you're some kind of weird under-the-stairs kid. Or you could Um, be the magic kid that gets put under the stairs. Isn't that the whole point of Harry Potter? Is that what they do in the Harry Potter universe? Oh, they oh. just put kids under stairs when they're like, ah, I don't like this one. That's that's how that's how you get magic, actually. They have to when you're a child, they have to put you under the stairs. I've read Harry Potter. <laughs> right, but um but the 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 point being that the rationale is that magic is something that's inherent to certain people. Cause you can have a kid that is magic when you aren't magic and you can have a you can be a magic person and have a kid that isn't magic. So it's not exactly like genetic or well, correction. It's not even like a, a it's not necessarily a lineage sort of thing, it, but it's definitely you have to be born with it. You can't get the Maybelline. <laughs> right, right. And then we were trying to think of other examples of. We joked about Witches of Waverly Place, which I I never I've never seen it. 
Oh, you haven't but, seen it either? Yeah, I, I, well, I that's think... the thing. I can't confirm that then because I also have not seen Wizards of Waverly Place. I only saw commercials. I just assume that oh, it's like so you gotta be yeah, maybe maybe there's some <laughs> maybe the angry Wizards of Waverly Place fans are gonna be like, no, you don't understand the intense magical system of Wavers of, of Waverly. Maybe we should do some research. Oh no. <laughs> but the the, the but, other uh, big oh, one no, we talked like, about was you know, Charmed, uh, right? Oh, we are gonna we're gonna talk about Charmed. Oh right. Well, yeah, we have to talk about Charmed. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh you want to eat some crow on this one? I, I, I guess I have to, man. I guess I have to, man. I, I am. Ugh. Okay, so this whole time I thought Charmed was a spinoff of Buffy, and I have no idea why <laughs> I thought that at all. Like, we were, I was literally talking to uh, my beloved maybe five minutes before we were going to start recording, and, uh, I I asked her about if she could think of any good examples of magic and fiction that didn't involve people just being born with something like, and uh, she threw out, well, there's Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She just sort of picks it up and starts doing it. And it's like, wait, 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 doesn't that get sp- spin off into charm? And she's like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know why I don't, I don't know why I thought that. I thought that like it was the Buffy Angel Charmed trifecta, <laughs> like those were those three went together, and it was just it's a completely unrelated show. It's just not right. Mm. Charmed is I don't Charmed know. is actually worse than uh, Harry Potter because I think you have to be a child of a witch to be to be a magic person in Charmed, if I recall correctly. The interesting thing about Charmed is that people can uh, do magic without being magic; they just have to have like a magic. Thing. I don't even need my amulet anymore. <laughs> That's a deep cut joke for certain people. <laughs> but yeah, there's the no, there's the idea of like you could do it if you get like. But that uh, that's the thing though, is that because it makes the idea that magic is some sort of external source that you can tap into, which I know some people that would probably use that model but i just don't it's always a little weird to me because you can have all the magic spooky woo woo items and objects you want very rarely are they going to do anything by themselves well i've i've gotten a cursed yeah. item or two in my lifetime so things can happen but it's usually down more to someone's intent with an item than an item just being naturally magical you know but but your um your flub with buffy did lead you to some interesting places right because you were actually speaking pretty positively of how magic's presented in buffy the vampire slayer well again i have to thank my beloved for that because she pointed it out and then i sort of looked and uh apparently in in buffy they arguably have a, a pretty solid understanding or or at the very least, they have something that's maybe a little closer because Willow just picks up magic. Like, she's this stuffy computer geek, and then she's like, I'm just a witch now, and she just, like, gets good scrub. <laughs> that's what happened to me. Yeah, I just start studying this nonsense, and now I'm good at it. <laughs> well. They even, they even say certain uh, great adages like, magic does not violate 
the the natural laws of the universe it works with it oh nice and then the idea that they they even hold on let me see if i can find this one uh the basic components to magic are the energy being transferred the individuals or objects transferring the energy and the specific actions involved that influence the results of that energy's transfer which is i i don't know you could do worse yeah yeah you could honestly do worse there's better the, than the Kabbalion. There's what's. <laughs> hey, speaking of magic and fiction, Kabbalion. <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> um, but I guess I guess that's actually a, a relatively decent one and one that is still in popular memory. Right. So that's kind of so that's you know that's kind of neat where it's you can that's that's one of and we we looked we did actually try to find some decent examples and there's just not a whole hell of a lot there really does seem to be this this real need to be like all right you got to be born with it you got to get hit by a funky laser beam from another dimension you got to do something that makes you that takes you from mundane to magical you can't just like find a spell book. Now, the one thing we did notice is that if you've got a T if you've got a TV show where there's just a random magical bad guy, that dude always has books. Right. Just whole libraries and tone. Yeah, he studied his ass off to figure this stuff out. And that that was the he's like the big book nerd. And he he's pouring over these ancient tomes and getting these ingredients and doing all the all the work, but it's all it always seems to be the bad guy or occasionally the the Merlin Gandalf type dude. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two people where those are the only two acceptable archetypes that are shown like getting magic from just doing some studying <laughs> and some practice. I'd imagine there was one more example of magic in a work of fiction that actually presented itself as a skill to be acquired and something to learn how to do rather than just being born with it. And that was, um, full metal alchemist, right? Yeah. Of all the things, full metal alchemist. Cause when you really look at it, it's, it's very much like us. It's, there seems to be a scientific background with that, or at least some sort of method to it where it's, you have to, you have to do a lot of studying and you have to understand how things go together so that you know how to take them apart and reassemble them. Mm-hmm. And it seems that what makes you good, what makes you good at this is having that firm understanding of how things operate rather than like you don't get, you don't just get extra alchemy power and then like, and then level up or anything. There's the one thing where the, the dudes can clap. Some people can like just clap their hands together and then do alchemy. But that's probably the only, only example of like, that's like the superpower. Right. And those were all people that like, if I remember correctly, it has something to do with like, you do, you do the forbidden humans transmutation thing in it and it makes bad stuff happen and they yeah and they, and, but you get the mat yeah, you get the hand clappy it, power afterwards so it's almost like i was so good get, that i i flew too close to the sun and i have the cooler radiation powers now yeah but normally it, it it takes far more than you get back right uh that's and and i don't but uh that was another that was another halfway decent example mm-hmm they, it doesn't show a whole lot in the series of 
of people like we're gonna hit the books but oh and then actually i guess another example is that it it does seem to reward creativity where it's not just knowing knowing how to be super smart with how you transform stuff with alchemy but also if you can be ingenuitive with it you can do interesting things and outsmart your opponents or something like that and there's something to be said about that as far as like magical practice too that often it's not often the way to get what you want is to be cunning rather than uh strong i suppose so maybe there's a bit there but it's still also very much shooting fireballs and and everything else which is the which that's the issue is that when it comes to realistic results of it you tend to look for things like a little bit of Con- John Constantine the invisibles illuminatus to an extent but mostly those are hard to talk about because they were written by actual practicing occultists. So right. they have a firmer grasp on the matter. But as far as we saw, fiction, magic and fiction tends to fall into the really simple issue constantly of, well, either people have to be magic to explain why not everyone's doing magic or just completely ignore the fact that you can just go learn magic. And then there's people walking around that are just like ridiculously overpowered. And what was the example you used? We were talking about um, magic in elder scrolls, right? Oh, Oh yeah. That thing. Uh, I saw a video of while back where, okay. Skyrim there doesn't seem to be any board. There doesn't seem to be any barriers to entry to learn magic. It's just like study it and figure out how to do it. Scrub. So theoretically, just about anybody could learn how to do very, at, at the very least do like really basic stuff. There is this one spell that gives you like a magical energy sword. So you don't have to carry a sword around with you. And if I remember correctly, it's it's a pretty good sword. Like, it's better than most of the swords you'll get in the beginning of the game. So if you get it early on, it's, it's really, it's pretty strong. And what somebody did was take that to the logical conclusion in the world building. And they said, well, wouldn't it make more sense to train an army how to do this one stupid spell so that everybody could have a sword instead of hiring blacksmiths <laughs> that need to be paid and need a lot more time. And then the sword's going to eventually dull down and break anyway, but that doesn't happen. You well, know? Right. Instead, it's just, well, certain people have this spell and it's, you know, certain people do it. That's it. Everyone's still running around with regular swords and the blacksmith still has work. <laughs> so maybe that's yeah. what it is. There's economic incentives. <laughs> we can't destroy the blacksmithing market. Big blacksmith doesn't want you to know about the conjure sword spell. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, but I suppose that's the, that's part of the issue of trying to take the world as we know it, make that a story and then say, 
oh, just behind the fringes of all this is magic. You have to have some sort of explanation for why everybody isn't doing it or how everybody keeps their mouth shut about it. And normally that's just sort of something you got to take for granted and, you know, suspension of uh, suspension of belief or, or disbelief so that you can enjoy the story. But it it's odd what a prevalent trope some of these are. Mm-hmm. The idea that at the end of the day, it, magic is something inherent to certain peoples is one that's not uncommon in occultism itself, though. I mean, uh, magic is the birthright of all people, and anyone who says otherwise can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, you know, mostly I think the, 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 in, in the real world, the answer why everybody doesn't do it is because you can't throw a fireball. Right. It's not nearly as, it's not nearly as exciting or as easy to do as you'd hope. Right. And very often it's easier to a, not worry about it or B, even if you know, you could do magic for it. Sometimes it's easier just to get off your ass. Yeah. Just get a hamburger. As we said so eloquently in the. Just go get the loaf of bread, as we said in the last episode. Right, right. There was one last magic in fiction you wanted to talk about, right? Didn't you want to say something about um how magic is presented in D&D? Right, right. Okay, and full disclosure, I know very little about d and don't. I've never played it. I just sort of pick things up cultural osmosis. But it was always a, an interesting thing that Maybe a little bit like the, it, at least in the multi-model, multi-explanation world we live in for how magic is could supposedly work or how it supposedly works, depending on who you ask. D&D presents a couple interesting ideas about where it comes from and how you use it because there's multiple classes and each class is at least in part defined by where their magic comes from, where there's a wizard who is like the nerd that studies the books and he figures out, all right, this gesture and this word and this thing and this ingredient or whatever make a spell happen. So I just get so, I just get so book smart that I can, you know, kick the crap out of everybody with my, with my words and my hand, my sweeping hand movements. But then there's sorcerers who have either through experimentation or having some sort of cryptid daddy that is way back in their bloodline or something like that, where they have Bigfoot or dragon DNA or some some or some weird experiment went wrong and now they got to they have magic sort of inherent in their body so they can just do things rather than learning all the the goofy spells. Oh man, I wish I had done that. <laughs> yeah, I wish Asheroth, I had done that. Please, one too, so, you know. just give me the power, man. <laughs> I can't be looking up planetary hours and shit. <laughs> and then apparently it has something to do with all of them are tapped into some some extra dimensional source of power that they draw from which I guess could sound a little etherics, maybe, 
I'm not a hundred percent on it. But then there's warlocks, which they get their entire deal from making a pact with some sort of entity. Oh, so I wanted to be a warlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want like magic sugar daddy. Right. It's it's like the Faustian bargain. Right. And that works out great every time. Yeah, that never goes wrong, ever. The monkey's paw is super safe. <laughs> and then there's like clerics, druids, and paladins that all get it from some sort of higher power. So these are like these are the holy men that are emboldened by the the glory of of God to do his to do his works, or the druids that are just like, you, you know, nature's pretty bussin'. <laughs> I'm going to just draw power from nature. And then, of course, the, the strongest of all magic users is the bard, who gets his power from just how bitchin' rock music is. <laughs> I wonder what the traditional music of uh, D&D actually is. Because you know someone's made it. Uh, oh, absolutely. I'm I'm just imagining, like, Toss a coin to your Witcher type stuff. Oh, see, I was imagining speed metal. <laughs> speed metal, but on a loot. <laughs> I don't think any of these are inherently bad. There's nothing wrong with any of these depictions. Maybe beyond the the bloodline idea is always a little sketch to me, but beyond that, it these are fine. It's just it's strange that what tropes we've decided are part of conventional magic fiction and i'd like to see some better examples or just some different examples so if anybody's listening please give us give us a good shout out about like something that hey this one has a weird interesting magical system that's worth talking about and especially in regards to where magic comes from and how it works in that particular fictional universe i just think that for the most part Magic gets depicted the way it does because it's more interesting that way. Well, obviously. The the, the very slow burn, spooky, woo-woo, coincidence, collider, synchronistic way that things tend to work out in reality just doesn't make for riveting entertainment. Right. I mean, you need a little drama. It's a work of fiction. But I, what I'm... I'm always more interested in is people trying to make a system magically in a work of fiction that makes sense because most of the time these things get, you know, it's, it's the, it's magic. I ain't got to explain it kind of shit, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. That's another really common thing though, is just that, when you have something like magic and fiction, you just, it can do whatever you, the narrative requires of it to do, but that's not a uniquely magical thing. You know, that was for a while, Superman had whatever power he needed to get out of the situation. And half the time it was somehow super ventriloquism. <laughs> that's the one power I wanted. If I could just, if I could get my throw a fireball power, I want super ventriloquism. <laughs> um, I guess that wraps it up on the fiction talk then. Yeah, I think that's about all I've got to say on it. Well, in that case, I guess we have to get to our uh, nice palate cleanser at the end of the episodes. How goes the work? You know, about the same as last time. About the same since the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I. 
Oh, I can say one weird thing that happened. Uh, so I got new tattoos like about five days ago now, maybe about a week. But uh, while I was there, <laughs> there was a sword just in the in the waiting room. And I, I wasn't 100% sure what it was because it was buried inside of something. So I grabbed the handle and I pull it out and I realize, oh, crap, this is a sword. And the artist that was working on me looks at me and just goes, oh, hey, do you want that? (laughs) (laughs) I pulled the sword from the traffic cone. I am now the king of the tattoo parlor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I told straw man this earlier. It was it was going through a traffic cone. So I pull it out of the traffic cone and he just looks at me and he's like, Hey, do you want that? And I'm like, wait, why is it cursed? What's wrong? <laughs> What's wrong with it? But now, uh, now I've got the sword and I, I feel obligated to do something spooky with it. And, um, he, one of the things we bonded over was that he also had a copy of the Simon Necronomicon on his bookshelf. Oh, nice. So I might be doing some fake Sumerian and fake Lovecraftian magic with it. That might be the move. Oh, right. That's pretty great. I don't have anything interesting to talk about. I think the best thing I can say as far as um magic is... I reread Moonchild by Crowley recently, and I'm just shocked by how ridiculous the magic in that gets because the entire. We should have brought this up in uh, magic fiction because um, Crowley just talks about doing these ridiculous rituals, bad guys in this novel doing these ridiculous rituals like eating dog skin to make a zombie and stuff like that and there's a whole thing about someone just blowing someone up with a lightning bolt on a tower and it's just like some of the most ridiculous stuff i've read in a while but it it really got my blood pumping to be like i'm gonna see if i can just make something completely goofy and ridiculous happen so that's my current half-ass project of finding a way to make a lightning bolt hit something. <laughs> well, I, you know, it does remind me of a story of one time I, I, you know what? I'll save that story for another time. When you explode something or someone's head turns into who knows what kind of citrus fruit, I can't wait for you to come back and tell us about <laughs> right. it. All right. And with that, this has been Chaos Magic News, the only podcast that is collectively unconscious. As always, if you need to hide a sacred initiation text, go do it on LiveJournal because no one goes there anymore. (laughs) You can check us out on Twitter at Chaos Magic News. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We have the website chaosmagicnews.com where we'll have articles and interviews and things to the pod, obviously. Pretty much anything you could possibly want from us. With that, Jack Marowak, are you are you on the road for the last word? <laughs> this was all a lie. We recorded these episodes back to no! back. Don't believe anything we no! say. Don't believe it. <laughs>
All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Or no, this will be the, the this will be the this will be the the stinger at the end of this episode and it's going to be fucking awful. Okay, you're ready. You just got to learn to like you have to mix your music a little bit softer so people can actually hear any of the stingers cuz they don't matter if they can't hear them. I Okay. This is peak comedy. <laughs>